Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Who's got friends in low places? Who's the friend in a low place? <laughs> everybody raise their hand. Uh, any, any country fans here? Uh, I mean, I guess if you like that sort of thing, I mean, that's cool. Sorry. I, I'm like I'm like winning over the crowd right away, right? If you like country, you're like, oh, geez, this guy's terrible. Well, my name is Pastor Sean. I'm lead pastor here. Uh, welcome to everybody here. Welcome to those uh, watching online as well. I hope you guys had a great week. Um, before we jump into friends in low places, so uh, we've been collecting uh, school items for most of the summer. Uh, and we're actually going to be dropping those off tomorrow. So if you have those, make sure to drop them off today. This is the last day to collect. But we had... Uh, some of the people here this week, we wrote cards for all the teachers, we've got some gift cards, and we're going to be taking all the supplies over tomorrow, dropping them off. Um, and so we'll make sure to get some pictures and stuff. But I, I talked to the secretary, um, I don't know what day it was, one of the days last week, and she's just super thankful for, for us doing this. And so if you've helped out in, in bringing supplies, thank you so much. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times the, the teachers get missed out on uh, with these sort of things. They, they don't get... Uh, acknowledged. Um, and obviously we know there's so many ways that we could bless people from students to the faculty to um, other businesses and jobs, but I think it's great that we can be a good neighbor uh, to the school. So thanks for doing that. Um, my hope is that now we're getting out of COVID and stuff like that, that we can, we can do more uh, in conjunction with the school. And so if that's something that you're interested or if you have a heart for that sort of thing, please reach out to us and let us know. We can't, we're very limited on what we can do. And so if that's something that uh, is near and dear to you, please reach out um, and let us know. All right, friends in low places. Um, I'm really excited about these next couple weeks that we're going to be spending in this series because I think this series um, will really give a look into the culture that we want to build at Press. And that might seem kind of weird, like, well, what? How does friends in low places equate to the culture? Um, Here's, here's the thing, and I don't want to give too much of my later message away, but we, the, the church has, uh, when people think of the church, they, they think of certain things. It's like you, they, they think of, you know, people who are maybe high on, high on the horse, kind of like, you know, uppity people that have it all together. And, and that's, that's not what we're creating here. Like, we, it's funny, you know, when I said, who's, who's got friends in low places, a few of you raised your hand. And I said, who's the friend in the low place? And, like, even more of your hands went up. It's like, we, we somehow resonate with this, like, this low place. That, like, we're all dealing with life. Like, it, no matter how old you are, and maybe you're not to the point where life has really hit you yet, life's going to hit you. Like, you're going you're gonna to get into that hashtag adulting phase, and you're going to have, maybe have kids, and have a job and you're gonna have to start working and pay taxes and bills and mortgages and and all of a sudden like you're dealing with real life and your friend did something to really upset you and your brother did something at the last family reunion and then your your spouse is doing something you know, like all of a sudden like the life that you think you were supposed to have this beautiful perfect life with all the dreams and everything you're now standing back on this is life like this, what, what am I supposed to do? Like how, how am I supposed to live? And in this sphere of following Christ, we've, we've gotten this idea that's like you become a Christian and all that goes away. Well, I'm a Christian, I'm, I, things are supposed to get easier, right? Like that's not supposed to happen to me. 
I wasn't spo- my life was supposed to look a certain way. I was, you know, I was going to follow Christ. I'm doing, I was doing this like good moral thing and everything's supposed to work out. And I got fired from my job. My spouse left me. My family's disowned me. And the people that I thought I could trust have let me down. And that's why, you know, you know, last week we introduced Friends in Low Places. And that's why yet so many of us resonate with this, like, low place because we've gone through this. We've gone through these, these layers of life hitting us. And this, like, nice, pristine, perfect life that we like to talk about is just not real. It's, it's not the reality. And so we're going to be diving into Friends in Low Places. And like I said, I really think if we can, I'm going to encourage you, come every week. If you're one of those people who come like once a month, come every week. Even if you're not someone, you know, if you're an every other weeker, come every week. Be a part of this series. Be a part of every series. But I feel like I just, this will, this should give a glimpse into what we want to build and the culture that we want to provide here at, at Press Church. And so as we begin Friends in Low Places, as always, we, the pastors, we got together. We hopped in the car. We had a little car video. So let's watch the car video for this week. guys have friends in low places? I'm sitting with them. (laughs) (laughs) So, friends in low places. Yeah. Yeah, but, so like, CR, you said it last week, um, when we were all together, there's something about that song that people resonate with. Why Why do people resonate with that song? Well, I think you can absolutely hate country music, which is fine, and I hate a lot of it myself. But uh, there are things that we resonate with in that that chorus in particular, and it's like it's a it's a sense of community. Mm. I'm going through hard things, and I have a community of people who are going through hard things. And you know what? We're in this together. Yeah, basically what it says. And I think in in the core of you know, our soul, we, we long for that type of connection with other people. We want people to be able to feel our pain, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we want to be able to relate with other people in, in that context. And, you know, that's why it works the way that it does. And I think we kind of miss that <laughs> the part of the Christian walk is, is actually having that. But, but we put on this big pretense. We have this way of like well if i'm if i'm in the christian space then i gotta be looking like i have it all together because we wouldn't want to give jesus a bad name (laughs) right you know if i'm following jesus everything has to be perfect apparently i can't have any problems right yeah but saying that and living that out is two different i mean that's like because we can all like everybody here watching this oh yeah i got who's gonna be like actually sharing their problems well i think some people do. <laughs> Some people overshare their problems. <laughs> I think there's a danger with that too, you got because that. you can live out of this place of, right. you know, all, your life is just constant drama, right? right. And you know right. that's unhealthy as well. We're not yeah. saying like, oh yeah, just be switched on with your drama 24/7. Right. It's it's about walking in community with others, and that actually means responsibly being in check. Other people calling you out on your behavior, right. right? You know. Well, there's an authenticity that we're talking about yeah being real right uh not just i got it all put together faking it well i I think for me the kind of friends in low places it makes me try to um see people not necessarily for the facade they're putting on 
but more knowing that they're living life just like me and life is hard and so you know treat them a certain way because it it is hard and people are judgmental and they judge each other and we get into that same mess with Christianity right and in fact I think we think that the Christian life gives us a license to judge other people and because we want to be able to say that their behavior is out of line and here I can show you where it's out of line. Mm, yeah. Let me whip out my yeah, Bible yeah, yeah, on you. Yeah. you know? yeah. And uh, we don't see Jesus doing that kind of thing. We just don't. No. And in fact, most of the time when there is an issue where he's calling out a person on behavior, it's a person who is piously claiming some level of holiness, holiness right. and he calls them out on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's this other side of it where people are like, Oh, you guys just think that it's okay to do anything and justify every behavior and do whatever. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not what we're saying at all. No. Um, you know, the scripture does outline a <laughs> yeah. better way to live. Like, there's, you, there's a, there's sin, there's falling short, there is, you know, there's a structure. There is sin, the word we use sin, missing the mark is what right. it actually means. So yeah, and we're all missing the mark all the time. That's what we're we're right. essentially saying you're missing the mark is still just yeah. as much <laughs> our righteousness is like filthy rags right yeah. scripture point blank outlines that but I think I think the thing is here is like yeah if you operate in such a way as to I don't know carry out things that are unhealthy in your life behaviors that are unhealthy there's going to be a consequence for that right, right? right but we think that the Christian life means that we get to be the judge and jury right. and then act on that right right and what Jesus is calling us into is a, a, a place of grace and to embrace people and show them love upon love, grace upon grace. And, you know, that looks very different a lot of times than what we see happening within the Christian community. We yeah. want to create a place where people feel welcome as long as they act like us. Like, you know, it's it's we want them to come in and we want them to feel welcome, but we really don't want to do anything that might stretch us mm-hmm. in the process of welcoming them. Right. And that's the tension I think we feel in all this, really, is, gosh, if I let these people get close to me or be part of our community, first of all, what will it say to my other friends mm-hmm. to know that, oh, that person goes to your church? Right. Oh, uh, you know, like, am Do I you gonna, agree with their yeah, thought on that? Right. Right. Like, and it's, ah, you wrestle with that. Right. But then also, you know, what, what if, I don't know, what... What if they? What if the consequences of their whatever it is? There's no right answer to that. Like it's not an easy thing. The whole thing is about wrestling, wrestling with what does it look like to love like Jesus did, and to create a space where that could happen. How do we do that? Yeah. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles with you today, or you're an app, a Bible app, go ahead and open to Romans 12. Open to Romans 12. And if you're doing that, or you're one of the few people who actually like to look at it other than on the screen, it says something. Raise your hand if you're actually looking it up right now. A few people. What does it say? So if you're, if you're looking at Romans 12, uh, right by verse 16, what's the, what's the little subheading there that says? What does it say? Do you guys have, have a version that gives a little subheading? Love in action. Yeah, love in action. Um, so today as we, as we start this, this first verse we're going to be in, we're going to be in Romans 
12. We're going to look at verse 16. But right above that, this little subheading is love in action. Think about that for a second. So let's, let's do this. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one, one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. All right, sounds good. I like that. It's a, it's a good sounding verse. You know, I've got the, I made sure to find a verse that had low position, right? Friends in low places. You like that? I got to kind of work that in there. Now, uh, that's, that's good and great. I want, I want to read it in another translation. But before I do that, um, I want to give like a, like a two-minute translation thing. You guys heard of different translations, right? You might have like NIV or uh, New King James, King James, NLT. They've got all these translations. Basically a translation, if you don't know, like um, newsflash, the Bible wasn't written in English. I'm not, I'm not sure if you knew that. So the Bible wasn't originally written in English. Uh, the original uh, language was between Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, right? And this is, you know, thousands of years ago, the writings. And translations, basically, they're translating these, these words into our language. And the way that translations do that is they, they have a, a range of how they translate. You have some translations that are they're very much word Word for word is what they say, word for word. And so they see a word in Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek, and they, they just directly, uh, you know, make that into English. And this, this way can actually be kind of hard to read because um, we can miss uh, figures of speech and cultural references. Um, has anybody, like, traveled outside of the U.S.? Have you ever tried to use, like, Google Translate in, in another place? Have you noticed that if you, if you just try to translate the sentence that, that as you would say it to somebody else, they still are very confused? Even you're, you're reading in their language, and yet they're still very confused because the way that you talk is not how they would talk. Uh, there's, a, there's like a social media video page, and it's an a, a American white woman, and she's married to an Italian. And the, the videos are basically like him try, like trying to help her with her pronunciation. Like she'll be like, I want a cap caprese salad. And he's like, no, no, caprese, caprese. And, you know, you, they got, you know, bruschetta. No, bruschetta. You got to get it right. You got to get the – and, you know, so – but in that video, they, they have a, a thing. He comes home, and he, he has, he's bought these shorts. And he's like, oh, I only paid so-and-so. And she's like, oh, that's a steal. And he goes, I didn't steal. No, no, I didn't steal. I get, no, I bought. I paid money. I paid money. And then she's like, "Oh yeah, it's a steal." Well, why you call me a thief? I don't steal. You see, like this figure of speech is lost, and this is 2022. Like this is here and now, you know. And even this language barrier. Imagine going back thousands of years trying to get this like word for word of like you know, reading scripture and them using these, these, this imagery, using these references. And this is where, you know, going back to the translation piece, some translations take, um, take these uh, thoughts, they do more of a thought for thought than a word for word. And you have people who, all these scholars who come together, what were they trying to say? What the, the cultural reference that they were trying to say so that you could understand what is being written in the Bible. And so this is something as you read the Bible or if, you're just getting into it to understand, like, you are reading a text that is very old from people in a different culture, people in a different time. And sometimes it's good to read other translations just to see um, how other words may be translated. 
you can get some, some imagery um, that you, you maybe wouldn't have picked up before. We, we went over uh, Psalm 23 just, what, two or three weeks ago? And talking about, you know, we're talking about a shepherd. We don't have shepherds nowadays. And so we can miss some of the imagery that they just would have known about. So as we read another translation today of this verse, I wanted to give you just a little two-minute introduction to translations and why they're important and, and maybe how some of them differ, where some of them are more literally word for word, and then some of them maybe are more thought for thought. And they actually have versions, too, that are more of a, just a paraphrase. And you've heard of the message version. It's, it's like, it's very different. They don't even have, like, uh, you know, verse numbers and things like that. It's very much a paraphrase of what's going on. Terrible to study from that, but fun to read to get maybe a different idea of what a scripture is trying to convey. So that's your little translation nugget for the day. Let's read the next translation of this Romans 12, 16. This is the NLT version. We are in NIV, this is NLT. It says, live in harmony with each other. This is what I love. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I, I like that. There, there was something about this translation I just liked. Instead of, you know, the, the, the low place, the low people, the, don't be afraid to enjoy ordinary people. Oh, and by the way, don't think you know it all. That sounds nice, right? Doesn't that sound nice? Like who, a person who lives like that verse, a person who lives this out, I, 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 would, I would probably enjoy that person. Wouldn't you? That sounds nice. Anybody have a know-it-all friend? Who has a know-it-all friend? Is anybody the know-it-all? <laughs> They're like, yep. <laughs> Guilty. You know, you're having a conversation and your friend says something. You're like, well, actually, that's wrong. And let me tell you why it's wrong. And they're sitting there like, here we go again. You know, we, it, it, here's the problem with know-it-alls. You, you want to know the biggest problem? What, the biggest problem with know-it-alls is not that they know it all. It's that they think they know it all, right? They think they know it all. And that's what I love about the end of this verse. Don't think you know it all. We live in a time, in a culture, in a society, where this verse in Romans, this 12, 16 verse, is, is not how most people would describe a follower of Jesus. If you went downtown or just walked out here and said, hey, what, what's the first thing you think of when you think of a Christian? Well, you know, they don't think they know it all. And they tend to hang out with really ordinary people. And they, they get along really well. That's, that's actually, that might be the one. They really get along with each other. Um, there's not like a million denominations and all these, you know, scuffles about like different theological things. And, you know, they, they totally get along with each other just fine, right? I was looking through, um, I found a, a Barna research report. And it, this, this report was conducted betwe uh, between 16 and 29-year-olds. So they went to 16 and 29-year-olds. And they, they basically asked uh, characteristics of, of a Christian. Like, what, are, what, what do you think um, about a Christian? And here were some of the highest percentages. I want, I want to show you. You can go ahead and put that slide up. Does this surprise anybody? Isn't that, isn't that sad? Like, you could probably argue, like, well, I don't necessarily agree with that, or, well, the reason they think that, you, you can argue, fine, whatever. But the problem is, it doesn't surprise you, right? Extremely judgmental, extremely hypocritical, 
the old-fashioned, eh, whatever. Too involved in politics. You know what the crazy thing about this study is? When do you think it came out? The study came out in 2007. I was like, I was shocked. Like, I, I saw this, and I was like, this came out in 2007. <laughs> like, wow, okay. Not last year, not two years ago, not before, just, you know, 2018 or 2019, like 2007. So let's, let's think about this for a second. This, this age range, this age group now represents 31 to 44-year-olds. This is, this is a generation of people who are starting families, raising kids, very involved in their communities. And in 2007, this is what they thought of Christians in the church. What do you think that means for their kids and their kids' kids? You have a generation of, of people coming up thinking a certain way about followers of Christ, followers of Jesus, they think a certain way, and they've been thinking that way for 15, 20 years. This is something we have to address. This is a big deal. I, I, was, just, I was just having a conversation with uh, one of our worship team members this last Thursday. We were, we were out, it was his birthday, so we were out having dinner, and, and I said, you know, when I read the Bible, there's, there's enough in the Bible that's hard for people to, to grasp and, and difficult to kind of work through. There's enough there that we don't have to add more for people to deal with in our faith. You know, like telling somebody they need a savior, the fact that there's like a higher power that we answer to, like that alone is a pretty big deal. Saying like, hey, we're born sinners and we, we need to repent and we need the love of Jesus. We need what Jesus did on the cross. By the way, this guy a couple thousand years ago came. He was God and he died and rose again. At least that's what we say we believe. Like, that's a lot. It says We say we have faith. We don't have certainty. We have faith. We are certain in things unseen, I guess. We have faith in this. Reasonable faith in this. We shared some of that last Sunday. There's enough for people to have to deal with. It calls out some of their selfishness and some of their own insecurities in Scripture that we don't have to add more for them to work through. And that's where we, we have a place in this. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the message of the cross is foolishness for those heading for destruction. If you put your faith in Jesus today, we are the ones who get to change the narrative of how Christians interact with people. If you, are a follow, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have said, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior, you get the honor and the privilege and the weight of representing your faith to the people around you. And I would say, so my, my main point today, uh, this is where like most of this message is going today is this, the gospel does not allow you to elevate yourself. The gospel does not allow you to elevate yourself. 
The gospel is recognizing a need, is recognizing I have a deficit that I cannot fulfill on my own and I need something. So why is it that we have elevated ourselves as having something more than everybody else? That Friends in Low Places song, if you're familiar with it, again, I'm not like a huge country fan, so I took the last couple weeks I've been looking through the song and Oh, that chorus has been in my head. I can't get it out. But there, there's a part in one of the verses that says, just give me an hour, and then, well, I'll be as high as that ivory tower that you're living in. And I think about that. I think of how many people look at Christians or many people in the church as living in this or being off in this high ivory tower, thinking we have it all together, thinking that we're better than everybody else. You know, just go off, go off in your ivory tower. We'll be here living real life, doing our thing. You go, you go be in that ivory tower. There's a religious spirit that we, that we see called out in the Bible, in scripture. And it, it's, a, it's a spirit where we elevate ourselves over other groups of people. You, you see it, there's, there's four, specifically four different times in the book of Luke where you see Jesus going and interacting with sinners and tax collectors and the other, the, the, the unrighteous, the bad. In chapter five, Jesus calls the tax collector Levi and they have a banquet together. In chapter seven, he interacts with a sinful woman. In chapter 19, he hangs out with Zacchaeus, right? The tax collector, he says, hey, you come down from that tree, we're gonna go hang out today. And then the other one is in Luke chapter 15, and I'm actually going to read from that today. It's in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. It says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. He was teaching and they are gathering. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus is teaching, he's talking, and you got these people coming and listening and, and interacting, and you've got these religious leaders sitting there just murmuring like, oh, how can he do that? Does he know who he's talking to? Do he, does he know who he's hanging out with? And I talk about this religious spirit. It's, it's, a, it's a religious spirit because the religious leaders of that time, they viewed themselves in comparison to the other versus this other. They, did, they, did, they divided themselves into two groups. You had the, the unclean and then you had the righteous. And so the religious leaders, obviously, we are the, the righteous and you are the un, unclean. And the, the problem with that is they lived, they lived so much out of, in a divisive way. You don't associate with that. You don't associate with them. Those unclean, uh, you, you, you don't. You, you hang out with the righteous people. You hang out with the good with the good people and and here you see Jesus going against this assumed separation that they think this righteousness demands all of a sudden now he's saying these things about himself but yet he's eating with sinners and tax collectors and talking with these women who are living scandalous lives how do you know what she did you're you're letting her touch you Jesus the sinful woman coming up and they're, they're having meal and the sinful woman comes up and starts anointing him and washing his feet. Do you know who's touching you? 
there's something that happens when we create this divide, this other, this us and them divide, is you, you don't feel compassion for the other. You dehumanize the other. You lower the other because now, now they're, they're not, you're not in the same boat with them. They are in a completely other boat. They are wrong. We are good. They are bad. I was thinking about this. Um, I, had, I feel like I had this conversation with my dad at one point. We were talking about s- slavery. And it boggled my mind. How do Christians let slavery happen? How, how, how are there people, followers of Jesus in that time, who saw the treatment of, of what was happening and say it's okay? And the reason they did is because they, they literally viewed the black community as subhuman. They put a title. They put a, an other form. And so they justified the hate and the inhumane interactions because of a title. A title had that much power to see a human going through that. How have we justified our actions to the other? Who, who have you put a title on? And it's because of these labels that we have put and, and given that we justify the way we act, that we justify the way we talk, we justify the way that we don't include or maybe include somebody because of the label. So I have two questions for us today. What label have you given those you disagree with? And what label have you given yourself? Knowing that these labels make such a difference in the way that we interact, what labels are we putting on ourselves? I'm Sean, I'm pastor. I can't be seen with that person. What if I go out in public and they see me hanging out with... And then... As well, what, what labels are we giving to others? What label are you giving to your neighbor who voted differently than you? What label are you giving your family member who hurt you years ago? So Jesus is interacting with these Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners and teaching, and he knows this murmuring is going on and they're getting upset. And so he, he, he shares a parable with them. I want, I want to read that parable today. It's, in, it's right after that section, it's starting in verse 3. It says this, And Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What are, are we willing to do to see people come to know the saving grace of Jesus? Can you associate with people who you disagree with? Can you look past the outward and see somebody how God sees them? Can you take off that label that you've given them. The reality is each of us should be running towards Christ in acknowledgement of our need for him. 
We all should be doing that. Here's the thing, this friends in low places, we've already said this, we are the lowly. We are the, we are the person in a low place. And it's only because of Jesus, it's only because of what he has done that we can be made right. And that never gives us or never allows us to be above somebody else. Grace, we didn't earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. If Jesus was willing to associate and hang out with those people, why can't we? Maybe I'm taking this a little too far, um, but I was thinking about that story of the lost sheep. And, um, you know, once it gets found, the shepherd brings it back. And I think about this, if, if the, the sheep's been lost for a while, it's going to come back tattered, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back, you know, probably hungry and dirty and filthy. It might have some broken bones because it, you know, walked off a cliff or something. So this sheep's coming back, you know, it's lived some life. <laughs> what are the rest of the sheep thinking, right? Oh, man, look at that. You stupid sheep. Why'd you leave? Look at that dirt on you. How dare you? Maybe you see where I'm going with this, but if if you've been a Christian for a while or in church, you know, we, we assume we're the we're the clean, nice sheep. Right? But as we said a few weeks ago, I, I mentioned that Psalm 23. Like, sheep on their own don't really have a lot to be like proud of, right? They're not the smartest. They have a lot of needs. And so here we are. We're, we're the sheep that thinks we're clean, and in reality, we need so much. What do, a sheep, what do sheep need? They need a shepherd. Sheep are only as strong as their shepherd. They're only as good as their shepherd. And so we may be well, you know, we've been in church, and we're probably cleaner. Oh, don't look at those flies on me. Uh, I've got it all together. And then you see the tattered sheep coming back. How, how could you leave? How could you do that? Why did you do that? And in our self-righteousness, we miss the fact that the only things we have are because we have a shepherd that loves us. We have a shepherd that guides us. We have a shepherd that is for us. And there's nothing in our own power that we can really be that excited about. There's nothing that really puts us or elevates us above the other. You need a shepherd. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. You know who else needs Jesus? Everybody else needs Jesus. We need Jesus. I can't do it on my own. I come face to face every morning with my humanity. When my wife is saying, get out of bed, the baby's crying, it's your turn. Selfishness, boom. No, I don't want to do that. I come face to face with my humanity when I get home from work and all I want to do is not think about anything or make any decision. And my kids are going, daddy, let's play. And I just want to just get on my phone and veg out and say no. I come face to face with my humanity when I'm driving on 270 and somebody cuts me off. Or when I'm driving on sawmill and somebody's driving 40 miles per hour. The words I wanna say, the gestures I wanna make. If, if you think that your righteousness can earn you salvation, you're missing it. 
I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We need his grace. I mentioned this series can give a picture of the culture and, 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 how, and what we want to build here at Press. We are not building a church of perfect people. And if we are, then I put in my resignation today. And if you think you're perfect, then you might not enjoy your time here. I have hope, I have confidence because of what Jesus did, not because of what I can do. The rain coming. I have confidence because I believe that Jesus died and rose again and, and gave me a way to be righteous in the sight of God, not because of how good I am. That doesn't make me better than anybody else. So if, if, if you are here today and maybe you're watching online, you're one of those people who are watching to see if this is a church they wanna be a part of or you're in here and you're newer and, or maybe you've been here for a while and you're like, I'm still not sure what, this, this is what we're building here. We're not, we're not a church of perfect people. But here's what I can, I, I can, I can, I can say uh, confidently. We are a church that is unashamed that we need Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ. I can't do it on my own. I fall short every day. And that, and that, that's the truth. I don't want a perfect church. I want a church of people who are willing to say, I need Jesus. If you've never put your faith in Jesus today, today's a great day. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to say a special prayer. You have to believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's, that's where our hope is. That's where our faith is. Likewise, if you are somebody who has made that proclamation, I would invite you to do it publicly. If you've never been baptized before, let us know. We'd love to baptize you. We'd love to come together and celebrate a decision of saying, Jesus is my savior. I believe in him. I need him. Let me know. We would love to do that and celebrate together. And if today is the day that you wanna make that proclamation for the first time, please let us know. There'll be a prayer team uh, in the back corner after service you can pray with. We'd love to chat with you as well. Talk to me after service. Love to celebrate that. That's what we're about here. We don't want you to think you have to be perfect because we know you're not gonna be perfect. We wanna create a space that you can come in in a low place and we can say, yep, we've been in that low place and we might be in that low place right now too. But guess what? There's more to the story. The good part is I'm not reliant on myself. I'm reliant on something bigger than me. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the last thing with that is I'm gonna be willing to be looked down upon by other religious people or other people in this community to reach somebody for Christ. That's what Jesus did. He said, you can talk about me all you want. You can murmur behind my back. I'm going after the lost. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek 
and save the lost. You can make fun of me. You can think I'm whatever. I think Craig Rochelle, he might have had, he's a pastor. He said, I'll do everything short of sinning to reach somebody for Christ. I've heard people get mad at that and say, well, you're teetering the line of whatever, semantics, whatever. I care about reaching people who don't know about Jesus. And if you do know Jesus and you put your faith in him, then I want this to be a place that you continue on that journey and continue to grow and continue to see yourself and your identity. We talk about this all the time. See, understand and embrace your identity in Christ because of what he's done, his love for you. The fact that you have a hope because of that. I'm going long. You guys got me going. I don't usually go long with this. I think I'm like 10 minutes over. I care about this. You should care about this. We have an opportunity. We have people in this community that need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that need to know that Christians aren't perfect, that Christians have their struggles too, but we believe, we believe in something bigger than ourselves. And that's not so we can get through life. That's not a, a crutch. We're gonna be singing this last song. It's called Reckless Love. I had the team switch it this morning because of the fact that this song was uh, inspired somewhat by the verse of the lost sheep. In the chorus, it says, you leave the 99. It says, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. He leaves the 99 to find the one. I want us to be a church that we can get out of our comfort zones to reach the lost, to reach those people who are living without Christ. If that was Jesus' heart, I think that's a pretty good example to follow. So as we, as we close today, as we sing that song, let's think about God's love for us and what that means and how we interact God, we thank you for um, who you are. We thank you for your love for us, God. We thank you that no matter where life takes us, your grace is sufficient, your love is sufficient. You love us and there's nothing that we can do to earn that. And God, my hope, my desire, my, my heart is that not only everybody here and everybody hearing my voice through video, but that everybody in this community and communities outside would come to know the wonderful grace and love that you give us. That we can, we can trust and confess you as our Savior and that because of that, we, we don't put ourselves on a higher platform or see ourselves better than somebody else, God. But that we can live and, and, and spread your love in humility, knowing that we need, we need it just as much as anybody else. God, give us grace this week when we face people that annoy us, when we face people that think differently than us and want us to agree with everything that they want us to agree with. And even if it's something we don't agree with, God, whatever it is, whatever the interaction is, God, I pray that you would lead us, that your Holy Spirit would guide us through that. We thank you so much for your involvement in our lives, your love and your grace. It's your name we pray. Amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand and join us as we continue in this time of worship. Let's sing.